You are listening to the Simple Self-Care Podcast, your weekly nudge to take good care. I am your host, Randy Kay. Welcome listeners, new and not so new. It is great to be back with a brand spanking new episode for you all with a very wonderful and wise guest, Kim Ventola. I'm so excited for you to bask in her loveliness, but first a little update from the Naturally Randy K world. For the past few weeks, I've been hustling and bustling away, working on some new self-care goodies and resources. It has been so consuming that there were probably some cobwebs forming on this podcast, but the time away was well worth it because I am happy to announce that my new self-care tools are here for you right now. First, the free one. I know that a good portion of you listeners would love to commune with others on the self-care journey and get more regular and personalized tips and inspiration from me, so I have taken your requests and created our very own Facebook group. It's called the Simple Self-Care Circle, and it will be where we share ideas, struggles, inspiration, all about taking good care. And I'll be doing exclusive Facebook Live events full of healing yoga routines, favorite self-care tips, Q&As, and fun challenges to help you stay on track. And I would love, love to have you join. And it's free, so what's to lose? And it'll give you something a little more productive and inspiring to do on Facebook. (laughs) So there will be a link in the show notes, but you can simply search the Simple Self-Care Circle on Facebook and find it there. I can't wait to connect with you on the interwebs. My next labor of love, my pride and joy, my also time-consuming gift to the world, my new online course, Simple Desk Care. I've learned a lot while making this course, and I'll share more about that in a future episode, I'm sure, but I had to spend a lot of time working from a computer to make a course about self-care practices for when you have to spend a lot of time at a computer. (sighs) But I think it made the course even better because I was right there with you, feeling the feels of desk working and practicing what I preach. And turns out, my tips were really helpful. So can I be the testimonial for my own course? I'm going to say yes. But if you also spend a lot of time working in front of a computer screen and you're experiencing the wear and tear it can do on your body and soul, then Simple Desk Care is for you. I cover the dangers of sitting, why you feel the way you feel, what is actually causing your pain, Then I teach you how to counter that pain with instructional videos on healing things like neck pain, carpal tunnel, low back pain, even stressful situations, and more. So enrollment is only open until June 4th, so act now if you're interested and use the promo code PODCASTPERK, all one word, at checkout to get $20 off. Why? Because I love you. And I want you to be happy at your desk. So head to simpledeskcare.com to learn more and sign up. Okay, now that we are all up to speed, 
On to today's episode. Kim Ventola is a real gem of a woman. She is a life and business coach, a dedicated wife and mama, founder of Nine Retreat, which is an empowering retreat for women, and she does so much more that you will find out. I randomly started following Nine Retreat on the Instagrams, and I really loved how welcoming and positive and inspiring their posts were. So obviously, this led me to more researching about Nine, and then that led me to Kim. And I'll let her share with you her personal journey with her family and career and intentional living in our chat, but I became a pretty big fan of her real quick. And so I'm thrilled that she agreed to be on the podcast. I apologize in advance. We had a little bit of a connection problem during the interview, but you'll be so enthralled with the convo that you won't even notice. So take a listen as we cover a lot of great topics, including carving your own path when it comes to self-care, taking social media breaks, setting healthy boundaries in everyday life, making time for your passions, the joy of hitting rock bottom, yes, the joy of it, (laughs) living with less waste and a simpler lifestyle, and the power of gathering in a judgment-free community. All right, enjoy. So I am Kim Ventola. I am the founder of Nine Retreat. I am a mom. I am a director of a community garden. I'm a wife. I've been married for 17 years and I live in New England. Wonderful. Those are all great things. <laughs> so, <Good. laughs> you started, so you started out as a wedding photographer, correct? Or a photographer in general. That's kind of correct your mm-hmm. main career path. So are you still yeah, so, doing that or how has that evolved? So January 2018 marked basically 10 years um, of doing it full-time, photographing weddings full-time. And when I moved here from Arizona to New England, I had decided that it was time for me to retire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I know I'm like young, but um, but I just wanted to retire from, from photography and focus on other things. And um, although while, while I have, I guess, quote, you know, retired, I still have one more wedding to shoot um, this just in a few weeks. It's my final wedding. And um, I'm really excited. It feels really good to move my life into a new direction. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm excited. It's a great couple. I'm excited about their wedding. I was like going out with a bang. Mm-hmm. Nice. So yeah. what made you decide it was time to retire that? So wedding photography is actually physically demanding. Um, a lot of people may not realize that. Um, it's, you know, you're wearing all this equipment on your body all day. Sometimes you're shooting a wedding anywhere between six and 10 hours with my couples. And, um, some of my weddings I would have back to back, maybe two in a weekend, sometimes three in a weekend. And when you've got all of this equipment on you or you're rolling it around, it is, it's just a little demanding on your body. And so I started to have some physical issues and I, I just had to make a decision while I love the creative aspect and I love the human aspect. I love my couples. I love being with them. I even loved the business aspect, but truthfully, physically, it was 
was just too demanding. I mean, I had, um, at one point I had shot too many weddings in a row. And by the end of the weekend, I had slipped a disc and I was out for gosh, you know, like a week and a half and, um, just started noticing like my neck having problems. So that's the truth. It's just a physically, physically demanding career. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I actually have a lot of photographer friends and, uh, body work clients that I see and they're, they're pretty beat up. <laughs> they're some of the most beat up people that I work on <laughs> because not only are yeah, you and I'm laughing not because it's funny, but yeah. Yeah. No, you can <laughs> laughing because it's true. Um <laughs> it's so true. uh but like you know you you use a lot of yourself uh at these shoots, but then also the editing. You're like editing for hours and you're sitting at a screen hunched out maybe not hunched over, but like really focused, using your hands a lot, like very detailed and that can wear on you as well. Yes, for sure. Um, one thing I will say is that I had set some serious boundaries when it came to the post processing. So when I would sit down to the computer, um, I had outsourced multiple things. Like I had hired a a studio manager, um, you're, ago to take over all my emails. So I actually stopped replying, you know, just, I didn't have to do another work email for years. I hadn't needed to do that. And, um, and then when it came to, you know, uploading the images and and then calling and editing, I had set, I, I had made some big changes, um, about how, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess I'm just more relaxed about it. Um, not being so stressed out about the process and stressing over every single image where years ago I would sit and just, you know, oh my gosh, I'd have an image on the screen. I'm like worrying about every little detail. Is the the couple going to love it? Um, And then worry about editing things and that image. So what I do is I actually, I just, I stopped doing that. And I dedicated my time and energy into being a better photographer so that the images were, um, you know, the higher, higher quality. I felt better about them when I uploaded them to the camp, to the computer and there was less editing involved. So truthfully, my editing process, I could edit, I could upload coal and edit and give, deliver the wedding to the couple within 24 hours. Wow. After amazing. So it was amazing. So I'm not like, I would don't want anybody out there to say, Oh my gosh, you know, I don't want them to compare. Mm-hmm. I had just made changes mentally, say, stop stressing about every single image in the process. And so I dedicated, um, you know, the energy in the right areas for me. It's what worked best for me. Yeah. Well, I love that because I mean, anyone that's listening, that's in that industry can get some inspiration for that. But underlying that there's that deep, deeper, subject of like, what is self-care when it comes to your work and what does that look like? And I think a lot of people, um, want to play the victim card to their work circumstance, you know, like, well, I have to do this and I have to do that. And they set all these unrealistic expectations that they think are there, but necessarily aren't. And it's kind of scary to rewrite the rules, so to speak, of what is the norm. And you basically did that <laughs> for yourself, which is pretty great. You know, uh, I appreciate that. Actually, I've, I've done that in a lot of areas in my life. 
life. And, and now it's something that I'm able to help other photographers and other, um, I work with mostly female business owners in doing just that thing and really challenging them and myself to say, you know, can I reject what society is telling me what to do or what the industry is telling me that I should do. I actually, I'm very aware about, you know, the word should, I try not to should on people. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, it, it's just really what, what feels, I know everybody uses this word authentic, but what feels natural, what feels right. And I guess authentic to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to run with that. And that has changed everything down to the type of equipment I was using, the way I was photographing, the way I was editing, the way I was running my business. I basically just let go of the comparisons or the expectations. And that really does. It absolutely has a lot to do with self-care in so many areas of my life, even parenting. You know, can I just be true to the way I want to be, you know, a parent to my children or be a wife to my my husband? Um, that is, I think, Today, I, I keep going back to social media. I have this conversation, Randy, with people about social media or whatever it might be that people are exposed to where they're constantly, I guess, comparing mm-hmm. their, their, their lives to others. And then they set the wrong standards for themselves. And that concerns me. And that's something that we talk about at my retreats as well, um, that how can we learn to give ourselves patience and reject that and just say, you know, what is true to me? And can I, can I move forward with that? Because that is self-care and it's life-changing and it has completely shifted my relationships, my health, my way of thinking. I feel, I feel like I'm right where I'm supposed to be for the first time in my life when I made that decision. Yeah, that's amazing. It's, I have to laugh because I'm creating an online course right now for people that work at a desk a lot. So healthy habits for desk working. And before, yes. I, <laughs> before I even get to the like how-to things, I have this whole introduction basically saying exactly what you just said. Because <laughs> it's like, yeah, you can learn. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> you can learn healthy habits of stretches and breathing and, you know, life hacks and stuff. But underlying that, like, there has to be this mental shift on how you work and and what your working environment is. And that is actually creating most of the pain in your body and your mental well-being. So, um, so yeah, it's really great to hear you just confirm these things. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but it's so true. You know, it's not necessarily what you're doing, but... It's how you're doing it. And if you can cultivate um, what is unique to your body, you know, and your circumstance, it's definitely not going to be the same. And there's this whole like, you know, what is self-care on Instagram thing going around that, (laughs) you know, which is funny because I definitely post about self-care on Instagram, but it's like, it's it's more superficial stuff and it it makes right. people feel like self-care is this like unattainable luxurious thing but it's actually not very glamorous it's in those nitty-gritty details of how you live your everyday life yeah and it's hard for some people to recognize exactly what you just said because they're so far in it mm-hmm. and it's hard for them to to say, yes, like I can get there 
And when you're so stressed out and so overwhelmed, so tired, I have been there. You think, oh my gosh, these people are just trying to sell me something that just works for them. It's not going to work for me. I mean, it's hard to give yourself, um, gosh, it's, it's hard to have the confidence to own it when you're so far in it. Yeah. And I think that's where the daily practices come in because a lot of people ask Mm -hmm. me like, well, how do I even get the confidence? How do I love myself? You know? And it's just like, it's showing up for yourself every day. And when you can do these daily tasks, that's going to prepare you to have, to be able to set boundaries, to be able to, you know, rewrite your script a little bit. Absolutely. And, and I know that I get challenged on this a little bit from, uh, um, obviously in very healthy ways, very mm-hmm. healthy, um, discussions, um, from with friends, but I personally had chosen to detox from social media to get to that place. So by not being on Facebook. So again, this is just my own personal story. This is what worked for me. And what I had to do was really take a step away from social media to be able to create that space, um, to be able, I guess, just uh, to detox from many different things. And um, so, so for me, absolutely, social media was a big thing to step away to be able to have more clarity to look at things, to see, you know, where did I need to set boundaries? what were my physical needs, you know, my mental needs. Um, So that was a game changer for me. And I I do encourage people to think about that. You know, where can I, where can I remove myself when it comes to not just screen time, but social media? Yeah, I've actually taken social media breaks myself. Like this past December, I just was off of it because there's so much marketing usually (laughs) in December. So I was like, you know what? The month of December, I'm taking a break. And as a business, I didn't really want to add to the noise either. So, but I was worried. I was like, what am I going to miss out on stuff? And is my like algorithm, whatever going to be affected and lose people? And it was just like, um, you know, it was nerve wracking, but like embarrassingly so, you know, because it's like, it shouldn't be this big of a deal, but everything was fine. Like, I don't, I didn't really miss anybody. Nobody missed me. I don't think. And then like, (laughs) it just what business as usual, you know? So I think we get afraid to make these changes, especially things we're kind of addicted to, but it really turns out okay Mm -hmm. in the end, especially with social media. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. I, you know, I had to challenge myself, you know, if I can disconnect from this, what can I reconnect with? And yeah. That helped me reconnect with myself to understand what, what I needed to do. And, and that helped my family. I mean, it actually helped not just me, but my family, my business. Um, and it wasn't just from detoxing from social media, but, but take, taking a step back, I had so much more clarity to, to see this is what I want to do. It's basically like boundaries are a yes or a no, right? So what I had to do, I just didn't have that clarity to make boundaries, um, to really set boundaries in different areas of my life. And so I think that's what it helped me do. Um, and, and yeah, I, I don't know. I, I feel like I, I don't want 
to push this down everyone's throat because I talk about it a lot that I don't think social media is, is evil or anything like that. I think it's beneficial in a lot of ways, but I just challenge people to take a step back as often as possible to make sure they're doing it for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. It, it's being more, it's just being more intentional with your habits mm-hmm. and Absolutely. like we met through social media, so that's cool, you know? So yeah. there, is, <laughs> there are a lot of, I've made really great connections and friends, you know, through social media. And I, I do love it because I am a more global person um, and like to stay connected with people all over but everything can be used for good and everything can be used for bad. And it's just noticing what, when it's appropriate, when it's harming you. Um, Like for me and television, I feel like I have this love hate relationship with television (laughs) because I grew up um, a theater person and like my family's really into TV and movies. And I really appreciate well-produced entertainment and, Mm -hmm. um, and now there's just a lot of really good television out there. It's not just like all crappy reality TV shows, right. <laughs> even though they're still there and I do not watch those. Um, but that it's like finding the balance because it's easy for me to get addicted to it and just binge all day. But it's like, okay, TV isn't bad. Consuming entertainment isn't bad, but it's finding <laughs> when you can, when Netflix says to you, are you still watching? You know, that's usually a a good indicator that you should get up and move, you know? But. Okay. But what's your guilty pleasure right now? Do you have anything? Oh, man. Okay. Um, well, guilty pleasure, I'd say, cause some things don't make me feel guilty. Cause I'm like, no, this is really good, but <laughs> I do still watch Grey's Anatomy. I still watch it. I just, oh. I don't, I don't, I really like it, but I'm a loyal person and I've watched every episode up until now and I'm just going to keep going till everybody <laughs> dies because that's what happens on that show. Um but I guess binging wise um my husband and I have been watching uh Silicon Valley which is a oh, okay HBO, and it's about a tech startup culture um which my husband's been a part of in a big way and I've like dabbled in it and so we find it really funny and therapeutic to watch, (laughs) but. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's interesting. So I don't know a lot about that world. I haven't seen that documentary or is it, it's a series. Yeah. Okay. Um, But something I find really fascinating about Silicon Valley is a lot of the parents that live there that work in the tech industry, um, they don't want, basically they're sending their children to schools like Waldorf, um, Waldorf schools because they want them to be more immersed in nature, like less screens. Mm-hmm. Have you heard about this? Yes, I have. There's a, I'm so fascinated by that. Yeah. It drives me like, I, well, it, yeah, it just kind of boggles my mind, but it's, it's becoming real, you know, a really real like yeah. nature deficiency thing. And there's a really good book called the nature principle that. Oh yeah talks about this which you're sounds like you're familiar um but it yeah it's kind of wild Silicon Valley just seems like its own like weird universe but I feel like yeah. it's what the whole world could become you know so. yeah but you know this is like this is such a great example of the balance though because I mean or at least starting a conversation about it and and being aware so as a parent and someone who uses social media and who uses screens I 
am just much more aware of my usage and my son's usage, um, you know, and just setting boundaries for all of us so that it's clear so that, you know, I, he knows what's healthy for him and we're not, I mean, I don't want to overwhelm him with it, um, or, or make him feel isolated. So that's, that's a balance for sure, because he was, he did go to a Waldorf school. My son mm-hmm. grew up, um, but you can redirect kids is what I have found. And so if you yeah. say, you know, if they want to do something you're like, oh my gosh, let's go outside and play, you know, on the trampoline, you know, and get out there with him. He totally forgot about asking to watch a show or work on the iPad and right. hours go by and he doesn't even ask. Um, now some days I absolutely can't do that. I just, I have things to get done. I have to start dinner, um, you know, and maybe just encourage him, you know, remind him of this, of this great book or, Hey, have you written a letter to so-and-so lately? Or, you know, I think, um, when I'm learning, because this is something I'm not very good at, you know, when I became a mom, I wasn't the best at this. I was much more of like a, um, a dictator when it came to stuff like this. Uh, and so I would, basically lecture him about it, you know, the importance of not a lot of screen time. And I wasn't really a cool mom. (laughs) And, um, you know, and I I am his mom, I'm not his friend. So there, I have to be delicate with that, but I I also want to teach him and model to Mm -hmm. him what is healthy. And so that's, I think I'm just more aware about modeling and just redirecting and just helping and being creative, coming up with uh, healthier ways to spend his time. Um, but also honoring that, you know, s- screens and social media and, and technology are important, um, in our world. And it's a reality that I'm kind of faced with that. That's, you know, that's, that's his childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I have to honor that too. Didn't you have a pretty powerful moment with your son and your phone, um, that kind of helped <sighs> change your, if you care to share, I know you've posted about it before, but it'd be, I think it's, no, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It was. Yes. So he was three and I was in the season of an incredibly busy, um, well, busy wedding season with my photography business. And, oh my gosh, I was trying to run my business from my phone. I had justified its use. So instead of, you know, basically to tell the family, well, at least I'm not sitting on the computer and at least I'm not sitting in the office 40 hours a week, you know, I was, but, but really just glued to my phone, you know, doing social media, answering emails, you know, text messages, phone calls, um, all of it, but it was just nonstop and very, very unhealthy, but I just, I wasn't aware of it. I, I just kept thinking, well, at least I kept saying at least this, at least that, um, um, so to justify my use and yeah, so he was three years old and he asked me if I loved my phone more than him and it completely broke my heart. Um, you know, in that feeling where you just, the blood rushes out and you just feel so sick. Someone's just told you the most humbling thing, um, ever. And, uh, but that was the moment it, it woke me up. So I am really grateful for that moment. Yeah. That's kids are so honest. You know, they just mm-hmm. see it how it is and, um, and are watching more than we think. Um, yes. So what did you, I guess, from that point on, like, how did your lifestyle change? How did you adjust that? 
Yeah. Well, you know, sadly, that was the same time when my husband asked um, if I wanted a divorce. So here I had, you know, people that I love the most coming at me, challenging me just, you know, well, do you love this more than me? Um, and for my husband, you know, I was pretty much married to my, my business. And I, I, of course my answer was no, I shouldn't say of course, but I'm telling you my answer was no, I loved him so much, but, um, I, yeah, that was, that was shocking to me, but Mm -hmm. I just wasn't, I wasn't awake. I was just, you know, all in, all in that business was more important. And I just didn't realize it. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I did was I actually, I kind of freaked out. I'm like, I don't want to lose my family. And I also wasn't healthy and my health was suffering as well. And I was also making mistakes at work and in my business. And so I grabbed a notebook and in the rows, I wrote down everything I was responsible for. I was like frantically doing that. Like, what am I going to do? I have to do something. And so really what it came down to is outsourcing. Now I call it do delegate delete. And that's actually, I think, um, is it Eisenhower method? Have you heard of this? The do delegate delete? No, but it sounds great. Yeah. Uh, there's a fourth, it's a quadrant of questions, but, um, but now I just simply say, do I do this? Do I delegate it or do I delete it? And that's helped, um, analyze each thing as they come at me, um, so that I can keep my priorities straight and, and remember what's important, um, every day. But in that moment, um, so about, oh my gosh, when was it? 2010, eight years ago. So when I got asked those two questions, um, so I made my own list and just decided what I needed to outsource or stop doing. And it, I want to say it's as simple as that. No, it's not simple, but that was the the cure, you know, that was the answer for me to make them a priority. And, um, so what I did was, um, I'll continue what I was talking about, but in the rows, I would write down everything I was responsible for in business and personally. And, um, in the columns I would write, do I have time for it? And do I want to do this? And so the want needed to be passion. Like, was I passionate about it? And so, looking at everything I wrote down in a rows for my business, for example, photographing, of course, you know, that's my bread and butter. And, but the thing was, I was also passionate about it. Um, so I would make the time for it. So I had two yeses in the, in that column. And then it came down to emails. Do I have time for that? No. <laughs> Do I have passion for that? A hell no, <laughs> <laughs> definitely don't. And so I knew right then and there, I was like, okay, I'm seeing a pattern here. I can outsource that. And so by the time that I was done, I realized I had created a job for someone, you know, and I, and thankfully I had the income for that, that I could free up time for my family, free up time for more work, for more photography, because that's where my passion was to earn the income, to pay for someone to take over those things. So for me, it all made sense and lined up because I really did take a step back to have clarity. And um, I hired a studio manager to take over all of the things that I was not passionate about or had time for. And that was a game changer. So I started showing up for my family. I started showing up for my clients in a more genuine and, and successful way. My, my photography changed. People were like, Oh my gosh, something shifted in you. Um, and 
yeah, that's, that's the truth. That's, that's what changed everything. And I even went through personally, I hadn't made time for volunteering, which is incredibly important to me. I've been volunteering since I was in high school, like 16, but at that time I wasn't making time for it. So that was something I put on my list as a must. I was, I'm passionate about it. I need to make time for it. So I cut back in other areas to make time for it. Yeah. It's amazing what clarity can do. (laughs) It's amazing what like really, you know, a lot of times we are forced to look at ourselves and to look at those areas, but you don't have to be, you know, I mean, eventually I feel like you will eventually you break, um, when something really isn't working, but it, it really is valuable and it's like preventative medicine, you know, to really challenge every area of your life and let go of what isn't serving you anymore. And, and just course correcting too, you know, a lot of people that I work with, um, with my self-care mentoring is like, they're just afraid. They just want to do the right thing right away. And they don't want to mess up or they don't want to like have to backtrack. And it's just like, it's all just a trial and error uh, scenario, you know? And if something's not working, get to be okay with Mm -hmm. it and try something else. That's how you get to know yourself. That's how you get to know what works for you. Um, And probably how you got to modify your systems and where you you know, where you are today is through just trial and error <laughs> going for it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and the key is not, it, it, it's really being honest about, you know, that this is my system. And, and like you said, you know, the trial and error, that's how I have formed something that feels right for me. And that works. Because if I was modeling it after someone else, I don't think that I would have the success that I have. I don't think that I would, I, and I don't mean financial success, but just, you know, emotional, physical, you know, all the things. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, absolutely. I, I, I agree with you 100%. And hitting rock bottom, some people are afraid <laughs> to do that. But you know what? Sometimes that's the best thing. That's, but that's what we need in order to pick ourselves back up, I guess, you know, um, I, you know, I, I have family members who, um, had struggled with addiction, um, growing up and I saw them get sober after hitting rock bottom. They needed people to let go instead of enabling them. And I kind of saw that for myself that, you know, I needed, I needed that. I needed to hit rock bottom to know, my gosh, like what it feels like. I needed to remember that feeling that I don't ever want to repeat. I don't want my son to ever ask me that question again. So I kind of needed that to hit rock bottom, especially with the mistakes I was making in my business. I'm as much as I, I, I'm so embarrassed by the mistakes that I made. I'm kind of grateful for them because I don't want to repeat them. And that's what keeps me focused on keeping my boundaries and, and being healthy. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't love rock bottom, but I kind of do like, <laughs> I right. think no, it sucks. It's, it's, I mean, it's called rock bottom for a reason, but it's like, it is so great because you can learn that you can get out of it. Mm-hmm. you know, and that, um, 
yeah, all there is to go is up basically. Um, exactly. And like, you know, I think you talked about this earlier. You said something about um, being a creator, not a victim. So there, I, that's something, the victim versus creator, that, that's something that I challenge people when you're in the midst of something, look at that, look at yourself. And can you honestly say, are you being a victim or a creator for your, you know, free on your own path on that journey or whatever that question looks like. Mm-hmm. And because nobody else can do it for us, right? No, no, I have to create what I want. Exactly. And, and having those moments where your biggest fears happen is like, it's actually such a gift because you see what you're made mm-hmm. of and you, you get the opportunity to heal yourself on such a deep level that you can you know, that can sustain you the rest of your life. You know, the things that I've worked out of, I've, they're now tools in my tool belt, you know, and there's now like red flags in place that I get to use as checkpoints. And absolutely, um, you know, you can hit rock bottom and just let it destroy your whole life. Or you can, like you said, create and, and let it be the substance that you're made out of, Mm -hmm. which is absolutely fun. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so along with, um, the being intentional about every area of your life, one thing I appreciate about your social media, um, your personal account is you've been talking about zero waste living and, (laughs) and simplifying. Can you share more about that journey? Yes. Well, I tried zero waste and it's, very difficult to be mm-hmm. zero waste. Yes. I applaud people that can do it. I mean, they, they're the ones that are fitting all of their trash that would go into a landfill into these little tiny mason jars for mm-hmm. a year. I think one girl has everything in this tiny mason jar from the last three years. She can fit all of her waste, basically um, non-biodegradable, right? Into this tiny jar. Uh, that's not me. I tried it and it was stressful and, um, I definitely probably would have gotten those questions. Mom, do you love zero waste more than me (laughs) or honey, do you want a divorce? (laughs) My husband was probably just like, I can't take you anymore. Um, I I was obsessive about it and, um, Mm -hmm. stressing people out. And so I had to take a hard look and just, you know, really be honest, you know, what is, what is the intention here? You know, what can I realistically do and what can I realistically ask my family to do if they're going to join me. And again, it came down to modeling and not pushing it down their throat because they would resist it. I mean, I was being judgmental to be totally Mm -hmm. honest with you. I became judgmental everywhere. I went looking around judgment, judgment, judgment. I just, I just really immersed myself in a very unhealthy way in the beginning. And um, you know, it was good to take a step back and realize how not just judgmental, but not really listening. You know, you can't shake hands with a closed fist, right? Mm-hmm. Bondi right. says. <laughs> and I felt like I had a closed fist, like, oh, you guys just like so frustrated at the world and all this waste. And what I realized was I needed to take a step back and calm down a little bit and ask not tell people what they're doing wrong, you know, and just showing like my family, you know, let's try this and let's do one thing at a time. And so we slowed down and we made small changes. I was less stressed 
and we were more successful. We had, we could celebrate in small ways. And, um, now it's a lot of fun. We love it. And do we still have to take our trash out, you know, to the landfill once a week? Yes, but it's a lot less, mm-hmm. um, a lot less. And we're, we're composting. We're, um, another goal I have right now is recycling less. So can I, you know, reach that goal? Not, you know, having, cause really that's not solving the waste problem. Um, because there, are, if you research, there's a lot of issues with recycling companies, they can't, yes. can't keep up with the demands and, you know, so anyways, I won't go into all of that, but, um, the great thing about living with less waste, so that's what I'm calling it now is less waste instead of zero waste, is I have found new purpose in making things. And it's great because now I'm opening it up to um, doing this with friends, creating a community. So I might invite a friend over and say, okay, I have to make our almond milk today because I make the almond milk for our family. And I do that probably every three days. Um, I make my own toothpaste, deodorant, um, body butter or almond butter, you know, so I have a list of things that I do, um, on, on a routine, but it's nice to invite a new friend over, you know, someone to come hang out and say, you want to join me, you know, and help me make this. And then they get to take a jar home of whatever we're making. And so I love that because because I'm not isolating myself and I'm teaching someone without judgment. And that was the big thing for me. And it's actually a lot of fun. Yeah. I, I was just smiling through your whole intro to that because I get that way. Like I've been really into ethical fashion and where my clothes come from and supporting companies yes. and all, all that. And it is such a thing when you create or when you form an awareness around a certain area and then and you can just go down that rabbit hole and then feel this doomsday thing and then you see you know person shopping at you know forever 21 and you're like do you know what they had to deal with to make that it's not cheaper in the long run like I just like and then I'm like where do my sheets come from where's this couch come from sitting on, you know, and I just get so tragic and, and, and judgy. And it's just, yeah, totally. I think a lot of listeners can relate to that when you like, same with like organic food or eating vegetarian, it's just so easy to get a little evangelical about it. Um, that's right. Uh, and, and that's just, it's just as, as you found, as I found, it's just not very sustainable, uh, in our culture, unless you're willing to really, you know, take that on and you have support in your life from everyone. But, um, but even then, like it can get out of balance, uh, just like everything. So yeah, I definitely, uh, appreciate your honesty on that journey. Cause a lot of us don't want to, uh, acknowledge that we're like that, <laughs> uh, about our oh endeavors. Um, yeah. yeah. It's, but, it's easy to become judgmental though, when you're passionate yeah. about something and yeah, that's, that is definitely a challenge for us to, to, to hold on to that awareness. Am I being judgmental? what is the, remember we keep talking about intention, you know, what's the purpose? Like, am I doing this for myself? Am I doing it to change the world? Mm -hmm. You know, like at what scale and at what cost are you doing this? And I think 
yeah, it's easy to become judgmental. And I get it because when you're passionate, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, about, gosh, I don't know. I, I'm right there with you about the clothes. I get mm-hmm. that. And, you know, something I'm curious, how do you feel about secondhand? Cause I mean, I'm all about like organic linen and, mm-hmm. you know, being no, cautious I, about. I think secondhand is great. If it's, I mean, the, the most ethical thing you can do is use something that's already been created. You know? Yes. So absolutely. You know, with your, you know, your waste, can you reuse a container for something else instead of getting necessarily getting one that's biodegradable, you know? Um, so it, right. it is just, um, using your resources, I think, um, absolutely. first and foremost, but then if you are buying something new, being aware of where that comes from, but, uh, absolutely. But yeah. I know a lot of people have asked me, you know, about, cost, you know, how expensive is it to be zero waste? Actually, we have saved so much money. We're much more aware of what we're purchasing. And we really ask, is it a want or a need? And, you know, can we get it secondhand? So we go garage sailing, we go to thrift stores, mm-hmm. we use um, offer up, you know, free cycle. So we just, we definitely have saved so much money, especially moving 3000 miles away. <laughs> we mm-hmm. sold a lot of stuff in Arizona before we moved here and we had to furnish, you know, a home basically. Mm-hmm. And, um, but instead of buying brand new, we saved so much money by buying beautiful, beautiful wood pieces, you know, at garage sales or thrift sales. Mm-hmm. And I actually love the way my home looks now. It's much more natural, much more, um, yeah. us. Yeah, definitely. I think another aspect of, you know, when we tend to get evangelical about things is noticing the stress that creates within. Cause I know, especially with, you know, I, I just became paranoid about everything I was purchasing and then like putting, and I just wanted to always buy the most ethical things. And sometimes in my mind that meant expensive things. So then I was not being financially responsible about purchases. And then even with like organic food, I would stress out if something wasn't organic, I would feel stressed when I ate it. And that causes dysfunction, you know? So it's like, if you, you know, that's the other side of looking at what you're bringing into your life is that, is it, are you even consuming it in a, in a healthy way or are you getting so obsessed with it that it's creating stress, which is countering the perks of being more intentional, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Exactly. So, um, yeah, I think that's cause I, I'm just starting to dabble a little bit more into, I've always been into, you know, not having very much waste and I've, composted and and stuff but um but it is it's like it is kind of overwhelming too because then it's easy for me to get really emotional about the planet and stuff so (laughs) and then yeah and then like I got takeout the other day and it was like so much styrofoam (laughs) and I was just like this hurts my soul and I don't know what to do about it but I really want this food but you'll remember that and the next time Mm -hmm. if you go pick up the food can you say I'm gonna arrive early and bring some containers you know or yeah I actually went back the next time and I ate part of it there and then asked for a recyclable like plastic container for the rest great so um (laughs) 
yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a process and it's okay if you're not perfect. It's like learning. And you know, if everybody just had a little bit less waste, it would make a big, big difference. Oh, absolutely. The first thing I tell people if they're curious about it and they say, okay, what can I do to start? I'm like, simple, no straws. Just say no to straws. From now on, no straws, never, ever, ever, unless you get, you can get bamboo straws, you can get metal straws. Um, and I put it in a little pouch and I just keep it in my bag and I have one for my son. Um, and same with utensils. You don't have to go and buy expensive, you know, to go utensils. You can just buy a little pouch or sorry, excuse me, just make a little pouch, um, at home or just wrap it in a reusable cloth and just bring your silverware from home and just always have a set on you in case you go out and you want to, you know, eat something that, you know, requires utensils and they only have the plastic. There are those little steps that you can do, you know, can take, um, to be successful. So have less waste throughout your day. Mm -hmm. One tip that I like for the, um, no straw thing is if you're worried about the cups you're drinking from Mm -hmm. some restaurants, like getting a lemon and just going around the, the lid or whatever, the mouth of it awesome. and that sanitizes it a little bit more. So um, nice. Yeah. These are good little life hacks for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess, you know, along those lines, what are your, you know, we've talked a lot about, um, you know, your evolution with your business and your life, but how are things now and how do you practice self-care now? Like what are your favorite ways of expressing it and what does it look like for you? Sleep. (laughs) Yay. I I value so much. Um, So we're in the process of becoming, we're going to be fostering to adopt a baby. And so quite often I have to travel to, I don't have to, but I choose to travel to see him because he's not in our home full time yet. And I'm trying to bond because he's only a year old. And before he comes into our home, I wanted to build that bond with him to not scare the crap out of him. Like, oh my God, who's this family? <laughs> and, um, you know, so I, I have been intentionally trying to spend time with him multiple times each week. And I go stay, you know, with his father. I've become friends with his foster, uh, current foster parents. And, um, and I stay there trying to, you know, stay the night, be up with him. And, you know, that's tough. He, um, does have a disability and it is hard for him to have a, a consistent sleep schedule. He has something called non 24 circadian rhythm because actually he doesn't have eyes. And, um, so he doesn't see light and dark, you know, well, actually he sees dark, <laughs> Um, and so it's hard for him. So, you know, I miss out on a lot of sleep, um, to be with him and it is hard. I just, to all you family parents out there or anybody that has sleep issues, you know, I honor you for what you're going through and because I'm in it part-time right now. And, you know, I went through it with my son who's 11 now for almost two years. Sleep deprivation is no joke. And it is difficult to be happy and focused, to have clarity, to smile, to laugh. It's hard to pull a laugh out of you. Um, and that is so real to, um, I just, I just wanted to say that because to me, it's easy to say, Oh, sleep, self-care. It's so important. You guys make sure you get sleep, but for some people, it's not a reality. That's not as easy. It is for, for some, for others. 
And um, so I love the nights that I can get a solid night of sleep. I see a huge difference mentally and emotionally in my days. I'm much more focused and happier. Um, so I, I would say sleep when I can get it. <laughs> um, and then also my walks, it doesn't matter if it's in the middle of winter. Um, I'll, you know, walk it up and down the stairs at the basement. Um, just making sure I'm moving my body, but nature to me is everything. And that's why we moved here. Um, we're, you know, just a few minutes uh, from a uh, forest and I can walk and, you know, breathe fresh air. So to me, that is, um, my practice, my self-care practice. And I, we chose that. So when we lived in Arizona, we were in the city. Um, the air quality isn't as good and there's a lot of concrete. And I was craving, craving, oh my gosh. I mean, I felt depressed. It's almost like reverse SAD. Have you ever heard of this? Mm-hmm. So there's seasonal affective disorder for people that live, you know, in um, maybe like, in, you know, this uh, snowy areas in Fargo, but North Dakota. I, where I am. There you go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but I legitimately, and there are dozens of us in the world. Um, but we have reverse SAD, and uh, honestly, I don't even know if it's a, a, a technical term. But I have felt it, and I have met other people that in the summer in Arizona, when it's so bright and sunny for so long. I felt depressed and I know that sounds so crazy to people, but that is my truth. I crave, you know, change. I need clouds. I need rain. I need, you know, the seasons. I need that rhythm, you know? Um, yeah, for sure. I, I crave that my body craving. And, um, so yeah, so we intentionally, we actually moved here. I know our winters are really, really rough, but, um, our bodies craved that. That was actually part of as a family, it was an expression of self-care to move all the way here because we just weren't feeling it there. Um, Mm -hmm. so that's, that's my truth. And where are you now? In New Hampshire. We're an hour North of Boston. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely, I mean, North Dakota, you know, definitely known for its harsh, (laughs) but the other seasons aren't, aren't that bad. And I really like the season. They're like, good gauges for me for sure so no I get that I think I think I would go a little bonkers in in sunshine all the time yeah (laughs) and it's um, great for some people my studio manager she was like bye peace out have fun there's no way I would go right right you got to do what works for you that's right that's right absolutely absolutely but yeah I, I just feel much more connected to myself to my family, um, just by being here for sure. Awesome. So, um, just, I feel like we could talk forever about a million things, but I do want to touch on your retreats, um, and, and the powerful things that have gone on there. So if you want to chat about what you've learned from hosting a gathering of amazing women, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, my other baby. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like something I'm sure you just have to experience, but um, but I think there's a huge lack. It's getting better. I mean, there's definitely a change in um the culture of being a woman and feeling safer to to seek community with other women. Um mm-hmm. 
but, and so your retreats are coming at a very, very important time. I feel like in the, in, in the kind of the revolution that women are going through. So mm-hmm. yeah, share with us your retreats, how that kind of came to be and what you've learned from them. Yeah, absolutely. So nine was born out of the desire to bring women into a safe space to you know, really open up dialogue in a place where women would feel no judgment um, and to be able to find their voice, you know, basically to be seen, to feel seen and heard. You know, there are so many incredible experiences out there, workshops, conferences, you know, other retreats. They're great. Um, I have attended many over the years, but what I was craving was something more intimate where each woman would have an opportunity to share because people love, most people love to tell their story. Most people love to share, um, you know, and, and to connect with someone else and have that empathy and the sympathy. And again, my idea was the only way I can do this um, in the style that works for me was it, for it to be very intimate. So, you know, we have no more than 36 people sign up per experience. And for a lot of the classes, we split up. So when you're, you know, with a, if you're in a class and people are talking, sometimes there's only 18 or less or fewer people. And that really gives people confidence to, to, to stand up, to speak, to share. Um, and what it does is it creates a bond with the women really fast. And that's what women walk away with. And so we actually have this online group chat. It's like a group me app and the women keep in touch. And that's something that I see all the time. I see these conversations and they're like, can you believe how close we all are? And we just met last weekend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and then a year goes by and they're still checking in with each other, you know, or, Hey, um, you know, if, if there's a group of people in California, do you guys all want to get together? Or, you know, if someone's traveling, I can see that they're reaching out and, you know, or they'll do video chats or, or you know, I, I just, I see the bond. And I, I think that we owe, um, you know, this, this environment of being, you know, small groups, very intimate. Um, we owe, the success to that. And, and I will say, you know, the first night when I do speak and I welcome people, something that's important to me is I talk about the four agreements and the four agreements have been extremely powerful in my life. And if you're not familiar with them, um, Don Miguel Ruiz is the author of a book called the four agreements. And the first agreement is to be impeccable with your word. And I translate that as, you know, not to gossip, I guess speak without sin is how he words it. Um, the second agreement is to not take things personally, which is hard for a lot of us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't take anything personally. That's hard. Um, the third one is don't make assumptions. That is probably my, that is by far my favorite. Um, and that's a challenge for a lot of people. And the fourth one is always do your best. And as he says, you know, from day to day, your, your best can look different and that's okay. So I I love these four agreements um, to really set the tone for our group. And so we just, we sit around and we talk about them, we share, and I encourage everybody and I remind them that this this is a place when you sign up to come to nine, you take off the mask. We're not here to network. We're not here to sell something. And I want you to be you. I want you 
to listen to others without judgment. So it's a non-judgmental space. Um, and I just want, I just wanted to be really safe. And so by laying that foundation on that very first night and, you know, and I really bear it all. I'm very honest in the beginning. And I, you know, at least I hope that that creates some um, hope and maybe confidence in the women to do the same as the week continues. And, and that's what I have seen. I just see women really open up and feel connected. And again, I know this is the, the, the big word, but authentically, um, I just feel like, you know, these women are being their true selves and that feels really amazing to them to feel like, like oh my gosh, my girlfriend's back home my family, they, they don't even see this side of me. And here a week, not even a week has gone by. And they're like, God, there's just no BS. Like you guys know me, you guys know all my stuff and I'm not embarrassed. I'm not afraid. And that's, that's very empowering. It's very empowering for the women, um, to not feel like they're hiding anything. And again, I just, I think the root of that being is there's no judgment. We will not allow judgment there. And sometimes it creeps in. That's the nature of being a human. And sometimes it does happen. Absolutely. But I do try to be aware of it and have a conversation with that person or people. And, um, you know, just to understand, like, let's just recognize it and let's work through it. Yeah, that's incredible. (laughs) I think a lot of that, um, environment comes from you know there being a huge need for it it's so hard for anybody but especially women to really feel like they can be themselves like the right there's you know it's like no matter how you choose to be as a woman there's going to be somebody attacking you with judgment about oh you you're working as a mom how dare you or right oh you're staying home okay so what that's like pointless or, you know, or whatever. And it's, right. and it's just like, no matter what you do, it's like not right according to a certain group of people. So to really feel like you have an environment um, where all the cards are on the table and it's safe, like the world is, is craving a safe space. And so yeah. that's pretty amazing. So for me, when I'm feeling judgmental about something, so it could be if I see an Instagram post, I'm like, ugh. okay, let's just say I feel like a little bit of judgment. Uh-huh. I have to go, okay, why is that triggering something in me? Is there an element of truth in something that mm-hmm. I haven't addressed? So to me, judgment, whatever I'm judging is a mirror. Mm-hmm. And I 100% have to say, why is this being reflected? Like, why is it triggering something in me? Mm-hmm. So for me, I, 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 this is so weird, but I kind of love those moments because <laughs> I keep reminding myself to ask that question. Okay. Okay. Stop, stop Kim. Why are you judging what's going on? What's being reflected back to you? Mm-hmm. And same with, um, resentment. So jealousy, judgment, and resentment Oh my gosh, those are mirrors for me. So I always look, okay, what's being reflected back to me? What do I need to consider? Because this is my own story. It has nothing to do with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've definitely seen, like there's days when I see posts that could be a trigger for me and I honestly don't care. Or I'm like, look at how beautiful right. she looks doing yoga in her bikini. And right. then like the next day, I'm just like, 
okay, that's not like promoting a healthy body image. Like, <laughs> I'll just be all judgy about it. Like, it is definitely, it is definitely a, a reflection. And it's a question that, you know, we don't want to ask ourselves. It's like, we want to put the blame onto somebody else. Like, oh, it's them being ridiculous. But it's like, there's that thing is like, when you point your finger, there's, you know, three fingers pointing back at you. Positioned, Unless you point with all of your fingers, then you're good. But, um, (laughs) but no, it's totally, it's totally a thing. And I mean, back to self-care, I feel like when you take the time to feel confident within and empowered within it, those things just don't matter as much, you know? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And the energy, like, Mm -hmm. why are we putting our energy into that caring what you know, person A or person B are doing? Like, why do I care so much? Why am I putting my energy into that Mm -hmm. and not either myself or my business or my family, you know, whatever is important. Um, that that's, that's, you know, a time to really start to reevaluate what, why are, why is this my priority right now to feel that way about that? Yeah. And the fact that there's energy around it in general means that energy needs to go somewhere. Right. And most of the time we don't want to put it towards ourselves. So then we, you know, redirect it somewhere else. Um, but if we can transform these things into something that can be really great healing for us, then, then great. But I mean, the thing about like your retreats and other forms of healing is that you learn tools to actually know how to do that because that's right where the problem is, is that as our culture, that's how we, what we were trained to do project it onto somebody else. It's somebody else's problem. Exactly. You actually, you know, learned how to ask yourself that question, how to, with love, ask that with yourself and see it modeled, then, you know, the world would be a much better place, but we act out because we don't know how to do anything else. Oh, absolutely. I completely agree. Yeah. So how, how can people get involved in and learn more about your retreats? They can go to nineretreat.com. Um, we're also on Instagram. <laughs> um, I'm like, well, if you're trying to detox, <laughs> well, um, but yes, subscribe. Do you have a newsletter or something? We do. Yeah. Okay. So if they head over to the website, absolutely. Um, absolutely. And so I, I love that you mentioned that we are all about giving women tools. So our retreat, our experience is all about empowerment. Like I want the women to walk away. I don't want them to feel like they were being gosh, like I'm not talking at you. We're talking, you know, together, like with, and I'm giving you, we are giving you tools to go home, you know, and to do the work. Um, but there's also support, you know? And so I think in some cases, you know, from my own experiences of going to other events, um, and I'm just highlighting why I do it this way. I'm not trying to to compare, although I am, I'm comparing. Okay. My <laughs> other experiences, sorry, <laughs> it's okay, true. Go with it. um, it was, I, yeah, I'm going to go with it. But I, I would go to these experiences and I felt like I would hear these really super incredibly uh, inspirational stories. You know, someone, you know, sharing, you know, how they got to where they are at today. But I 
didn't walk away with tools. And I felt as though, you know, that's, that's her or his story, but it wasn't mine. And I had no, honestly, I had no idea what to do from that point. And I actually kind of felt worse because I would start to compare. I'm like, well, they're doing it that way. And I kind of tried and it didn't work for me or whatever, you know, the conversation might be in my head. Um, but yeah, it kind of made me feel worse. I didn't feel like I was given tools to go back and do, you know, take, take these steps to gain control over, you know, my health or my business, my finances. And so what I did was with nine, I wanted to bring in those topics like sexual wellness, relationships, financial health, um, you know, parenting, um, you know, it just goes on and on, like being mindful, self-care. And I wanted to bring all these, you know, for the whole woman to have these tools in different areas because some things click for others. Like what might work for you in financial wellness might work, not what not, not be the right fit for someone else who's looking for like maybe mindfulness practices or self-care. So different things click for different people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's, that's awesome. I feel like you're teaching actually the real, the real life skills, you know, <laughs> because when you right, have these, right. when, when you have these <laughs> things in check, then you're probably not going to lead to some of the other elements that we, that we get, you know? So, um, Absolutely. so good stuff. All right, Kim. Well, I will link to the, in the show notes and, um, your personal website and how people can get a hold of you that way. But thank you so much for sharing your time and yourself with us and, um, have to have you on again to chat more about all these wonderful things. So I would be honored. Thank you. This is a lot of fun. I'm really grateful. Thank you so much. See, aren't you also in love with Kim now? Yes. And I think it's worth noting that the reason why Kim has the resources mentally, emotionally, and in her life to be such a safe space for women, her community, her family, even her new foster baby on the way, it's because she has done the work herself. She has done the hard work of healing on a deep level. She has made sacrifices and tough life calls for the greater good of herself and the life she's committed to. And because of that, others get to heal as well. A community gets to be formed. There is a new space in the world for real connection. And that is what self-care is all about, you guys. That is why we need to be healing ourselves. The world needs things like Nine Retreat. It needs caring and healthy mothers and fathers and friends. It needs safe spaces of all kinds, and it starts with you. So I'm really grateful for Kim for being that example and doing the hard work. It is so, so worth it. All right. Speaking of safe space and community, don't forget that you can join my new Facebook community by searching the Simple Self-Care Circle. And if you need some support in the desk working area, take advantage of my online course at simpledeskcare.com. And you can always stay up to date and find more self-care goodies at naturallyrandyk.com. That's naturally, R-A-N-D-I-K-A-Y.com. Until next time, take good care and enjoy the journey.